What is going on, everybody? Welcome in here to episode 137 of the Get After It podcast. I am stoked to have you all join us today. We have a treat for you today. Our guest is Lauren Schmidt. She's the CEO of Lauren Schmidt Marketing and Design. Uh, she is a entrepreneur, a coach. Uh, she's a young entrepreneur. And um, frankly, I have been in her circle for the last maybe maybe 12 to 18 months on social media. And we just connected last week and I was like, we got a jam. There's a lot of cool stuff that you're doing and I want to share that. Lauren brought the goods. We had an awesome conversation jamming about what it's like to be a young entrepreneur, what it's like living on a farm and actually running a farm in addition to a business and some of the similarities in between there. We had a little bit of fun in that conversation. If you're new to the Get After a podcast, we have awesome interviews typically once or twice a week. In between that, we'll have three to five short energy-ridden episodes that just get you moving, get you going. Check out some of those episodes, usually under five minutes long. And with that being said, y'all, I'm going to run right in to this interview with Lauren. We had a, we had a blast on this one, and uh, frankly, I'm excited uh, to share this with you all. So let me know what you think. Drop us a review. We do this for free. We are never charging for the Get After It podcast. This is a free podcast available to all of the masses. That being said, helps us extensively if you leave us a review. So if you like the show, let us know. With that being said, let's cue the intro. This is the Get After It Podcast, where young professionals, entrepreneurs, and action takers learn what it takes to be a high performer. This is more than a podcast. It's a movement. Now, let's get after it with your host, Aaron Griffin. What is up, everybody? Welcome in to another episode of the Get After It podcast. I'm stoked for our guest today, as I usually am. Um, but seriously, this this girl is freaking awesome. I love how she just lives out loud on social media. I feel like I know her. We this is our this is our second time ever jamming. The first time was last week, and I'm just stoked to have her on. She's an entrepreneur. She's a coach. Well, let me let me give her a proper introduction. Uh, Lauren Schmidt is the CEO of Lauren Schmidt Marketing and Design. She's Coach Low, not only for just business, she's also a softball coach. Uh, she is an aspiring farmer's wife, which I absolutely love in your bio. Uh, we're jamming <laughs> up. And we're gonna talk a little bit about this in terms of the fact that you guys also run, uh, you literally manage a farm in addition to your business. Yep. What's going on. Uh, Lauren, I think this is gonna be a fun conversation, not only just about your business and where it's been with COVID since COVID, I'm sure it's exploded since then and all the responsibilities you've had, but also your journey and entrepreneurship. I'm stoked to welcome Lauren to the Get After podcast. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited. I know that this was going to be an awesome conversation from start to finish. I feel like we have a lot of similarities as far as um, as driven as we both are. And it's I know it's going to be good. I'm stoked to finally connect because we've been in circles for 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 probably about at least a year or so. I know you've done some work for right. Some mine. Let let let's get started with the uh, if we could for our audience uh, a little bit of an origin story. What is going on with twenty three year old entrepreneur? Because that's kind of a crazy feat, right? Like doing like and and this is not like you started at twenty three. You've been going for a minute. Take us back right. to the origins. Go back to when you're in school, when you started these things, and maybe even a little bit old, maybe a little bit longer back than mm -hmm. that. I'm curious in terms of the origin story of Lauren and 
why people should be stoked that we got you on the podcast. <laughs> I'm stoked. I'm running through the audience. Um, so to introduce myself, my name is Lauren. I am 23 years old. I live um, in Oak Harbor, Ohio, which is located um, just at the intersection of a few rivers in Lake Erie. So this is uh, my favorite little lake town. And we definitely enjoy the vibes here. And um, I moved here, let's see, it's been over three years now. So towards my junior year of college, um, it was about halfway through, I would say I moved here permanently, um, have no plans of leaving anytime soon. I love it here. Um, as far as business goes, it's just been entrepreneurial. I think even since high school, I was very involved with FFA, which was really big at my high school. Um, I was the president of my FFA chapter my senior year. I um, really enjoyed public speaking. Um, we took a team to nationals for the farm business management exam, and we finished seventh in the entire United States. Um, and that was an incredible experience. And just having the advisor that I did, um, have to give him all the credit in the world. His name is Paul Pullman. And um, I was recently featured on another podcast that's more ag focused. And I also shouted him out there. So all the credit to him probably forever, because I don't think as a businesswoman or otherwise that um, I ever would have made it out of high school um, and been so focused on what I knew I wanted to do in college without him. Yes, so I... You know, and honestly, that introduction makes a lot of sense as to why you do what you do now. Why, but why though, in, mm -hmm. the, in the sense of running your own business with how, how many knocks there are with it, how many challenges that come with it, why do this as opposed to go get a quote, big girl job right out of college and do something? <laughs> Why'd you go on this route? Why, what, what keeps of you? Course. Yeah, it was really a perfect storm of events. Um, I feel like a lot of uh, high schools are very vague on teaching kids about running a business. Luckily, my advisor was so focused on teaching us to be financially independent and handle our own finances and, and make marketing work and stuff like that from such a young age. Um, that was enlightening to me. Um, it was also very exciting to see what we were able to do on our own, not even having to go and get a quote unquote big girl job. Um, going into college, I actually fell in love with Bowling Green, which is here in Ohio. Um, because of the internship program that they have, they make it really accessible for young students to get good jobs. Um, I don't think I ever worked for minimum wage. I found an internship straight out of the bat um, my freshman year of um, college and just fell in love with making money and being independent. And um, so basically what happened was got super involved in internships, loved some of them, and then some of them I hated. So it really, um, really shaped how I viewed the corporate world. And eventually when I was a, let's see, junior at BG, um, kind of decided that I didn't want to be a part of the corporate world anymore. And I needed to make a big pivot for myself and for my career and ended up uh, starting my own company. I originally started by opening a blog. Um, it's called The Harbor Homestead. I live on um, with my boyfriend, his great, great, great grandpa's homestead farm. So that's kind of where the homestead part came from. Um, the Harbor, Oak Harbor. Um, really started out just wanted to be informational informational about the ag industry um, wanted to talk about our lifestyle and running a farm and stuff like that um, ended up tabling that shortly after when I had someone approach me about my marketing degree said that they would really like for me to come on and help them 
figure out how to market their business. It was actually a salon. My best friend owns it. <laughs> she wasn't my best friend at the time, but she's one of my best friends now. Um, and then it kind of really started to spiral from there. More people contacting me, um, kind of figuring out how to navigate an influx of clients and, and meet their needs also. So it was just really a great chain of events that led me here. I have so many questions for this because this is perfect because I, <laughs> uh, you know, it's something where I'm talking about this in the, in the book I have coming out. And it's also just, just the fact that the decentralization of like when pe people are more interested in hiring somebody that they know and that they trust as opposed to somebody who has all the fancy schmancy stuff behind their name, right? They're just looking for results. Right. And it's Absolutely. like, I think of client work is really like, it's like the future of serving people. It's going to be one-on-one -on -one client, group client work, actually, whether it's done for mm -hmm. you or with you, we, we're going to hit on all of this. I want to go back because you said something interesting about the internships you had. You said some of these internships were really fun. Some of them were not so fun. I want, can you focus in a little bit on, is it not important to get the reps that you don't enjoy? Cause I was just thinking mm -hmm. like with my, my story going back to when I was in college, like my first summer after running a painting business, I, I, I felt like I had more money than God. I had like, I made like $15,000 that summer. Right. And, and, yes, just, yes. <laughs> and, um, you know, you give it to a 19 year old college student and he flushes it down the drain. And I remember getting a job. I had two jobs. I had a, I got a job at a pizzeria because my, I grew up working for my father pizzeria, like, mm -hmm. like 12, right. And really younger than that. So anyway, I, like that just seemed natural. Get a job as pizza. And I remember, I remember making like 50 cents more than minimum wage and not, and just not being able to stand the job mm. and then flip that around to, I was also doing an unpaid internship, which I did it because it was a really cool experience. Yeah. I got to do, <laughs> I know, right, right, right. I was at Michigan State University, which is right like 20 minutes from downtown Lansing. So it was actually at a lobbying, it wasn't a lobbying firm. It was right. a, it was a really cool, cool, really good, look good on your resume office job type deal. And it was pretty cool. Like I met, right. I met one of the most powerful congressmen in Michigan, like the first day of the job, like it was actually, mm -hmm. everything was great about it, except I couldn't stand sitting there and <laughs> some of that other stuff. So I want, I want to ask you just about that. Cause that those two experiences combined forced me. I remember calling my boss, my old boss who, who sponsored the painting business. I was like, I got to come back. There's just no way I'm doing this, this whole internship hunting crap next summer. Um, and it, and it, right. But it almost helped give me permission to to really just like take it on myself. Like I need to go do this next opportunity. I need to roll with this. So can you reflect maybe a little bit on like, I feel like there's always people that no matter what season you're in, you're going through things that you don't enjoy. How can you find the, the, the bits of the gold nuggets in those moments of, of, of unenjoyness that actually can help point you towards what you're supposed to do. But in the moment, they're really crappy and we don't want to touch them. I don't know if there's a, there's a question somewhere in there. Can you reflect a little right. bit? Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Um, I think if there's one thing that I tell friends and family and people I care about that are just getting ready to go into college, it's just embrace it. It's going to really challenge you and it's really going to suck and you're not going to understand fully why you are doing the things that you are doing. But if you can really put your head down and focus on just growing 
as a person, as an entrepreneur, as a, just in your career in general, then you will eventually long-term when you find what you truly want to do in your life, you will find bits of information that help you along the way. So for instance, um, I did, let's see, four, probably, I think it was five internships throughout college. And some of them were okay, like I said, but most of them I did not like, but looking back, it was really great because I learned a lot about myself more so than the job field particularly, which is really helping me as a entrepreneur now and also as a manager that's managing employees and a team. So I personally do not like the HR field, but I did do an extensive HR interview as an HR assistant. Um, and I hated every moment of it, but in hindsight, it was incredibly valuable because I learned how to navigate with a team, how to structure a business as far as finding the right people for the job. Um, now that I'm hiring regularly and just being able to complete the interview process with others and kind of weed out people and um, focus on the ones that I think will really excel with my team and within the field that we're in. Um, so it was helpful, but if there's anything that I can give on advice wise is just put your head down, do the things and get through it. So great. I, I think of uh, uh, an interview I did with uh, Dr. Breyer, who was on our show maybe six months ago and she talked about it. She had a son who was like 28 or something. And he, and he, he said to her one day, it was like, you know, I just feel like I'm behind. And I think that's something like we all feel no matter how far ahead compared to other people. And it's like, the reality is like, you're actually right where you're supposed to be. And the best thing mm -hmm. that you can do is to lean into things. They're going to challenge you. They're going to put you in new environments. They're going to put you in front of new skill sets because like mm -hmm. you said, HR work that does not scream entrepreneur tendencies, but you got it, but it also probably showed you, you know, this is the first thing I'm hiring out once I have the ability. Yeah. To right. Yeah. You're exactly right. I um, actually had the opportunity to play softball in college and I kind of determined that I didn't want that to be my full-time job and having the opportunity to play division one, division two, obviously it's going to be a day in and day out thing. So ended up going the direction of working instead, um, kind of used that energy and passion I had for sports in the field. Um, I found that I am very, um, I'm an alpha. <laughs> and so having bosses and things like that um, was really difficult for me, but it was a good stretch, I think, to learn your place on a team um, where you're not the leader and you have to be a follower for a little bit. Um, and that experience was enough for, I want to say, just building skills that you build while you're outside of your comfort zone. Um, because a lot of things that come with being an entrepreneur is being uncomfortable and being forced to grow in a new environment. Um, so if there's anything to look for in a job or whatever that may be that you're not comfortable with, it's just opportunities to grow um, when you're not comfortable. I can't, I, can't, I can't help but draw a parallel too and in like investing in yourself, both in experience mm -hmm. and also with like money, actually getting yourself into programs or coaching or whatever the case would be, something that's gonna challenge you. And I think back- Absolutely. I've made, a lot of investments into myself and some of them were not good investments because they were not, right. they didn't follow through on what I expected. It wasn't what, you know, it just, it just didn't match the expe expectation. Right. And I thought about mm -hmm. this, like, how many people will make it? Cause I, I thought about this, like, just to be transparent, I thought about it. It's like, 
is it me or is it them? You know, is it, is it, is it, yeah. so I love what you're saying, you're an alpha. Cause I literally just think how many people will invest in themselves and they realize it's a mistake yeah. that, that particular investment. And they, instead of equating it to not the right path for them or somebody else, not potentially following up on it. And they equate mm-hmm. it to, I'm not worth investing in myself. Look at the right. Result. Right. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And that's just part of it. I mean, you make mistakes along the way, but it's important to recognize that there's always going to be growth that comes from them. It's kind of like the cliche. It's not a, what is it? Not a mistake. It's a lesson. And that is true. And you might not realize it while you're in the heat of the battle and you spent all your money on something that didn't turn out, but ultimately in five or 10 years, you might think, Hey, that was actually a really good experience because if there's one thing I gained, it was this. And that one thing was important to your career five years later. Mm, dropping golden nuggets. Okay. So, so <laughs> let me ask you, um, for you and the work that you do today, you've got a couple different, we were talking, not really businesses, but you got a couple different offers that you work with different work with people on. I want to ask you though, uh, for you, what is a client, if a client's looking for what, like, what's the perfect fit for you? What do you come in and do for a client? What do you work with clients on? And, and if I can, just to put it really, make a really broad question and make you talk for a really long period of time, how does it compare to where you started with that first salon? Like, what are the differences between the work you do today? And what are the similarities? Curious. So like, if I'm a new person coming in and hiring Lauren, what, what role and your team, what do you, what do we do? What, are, what is the main purpose? Um, I think it, one of my most valuable assets as a coach, especially a softball coach, is that I will tell you if you're being lazy. I'm not afraid of it because I know it's for your own good. So when I am preparing a potential client for work with me, I'm going to say, you know, I've gotten these results with other people, but if you leave just me to do the work for your business and your vision, then it's probably not going to work out. It's not going to grow because ultimately you need to be equally invested as me in me as I am in you. So we're going to work together. We're going to knock it out. We're going to create these results together, but it can't just be me believing in you. So I'm usually really blunt and upfront about those particular things. Um, A lot of companies that come to me are either startups or they are companies that have kind of reached a turning point in their business. Um, In the beginning, you were absolutely right when you said that my business exploded over COVID because everybody had time to start thinking about their next great business venture. They were sitting at home, they weren't making any money and they're thinking, Hmm, what can I do to provide for my family? So a lot of people would come to me with ideas and say, how do I make this happen? And we would work through their vision together and um, kind of put like a five-step plan in place for about six months to a year. Here's where we need to be at this time, this time, and this time. Um, And then we, we knock out the steps together, but I won't lie. A lot of, I shouldn't say a lot. I would say about half of the people that start with me don't finish. Um, They kind of say, you know, I I don't have the time for this. I blah, 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 this excuse, this excuse, this excuse, but, and that's okay. I mean, that doesn't hurt my feelings because I know that when you're ready, you'll be ready. But until then I can't make someone be ready to follow their dreams. So they might come back to me a year now a year from now and say, okay, now I'm ready. Let's finish the rest. But ultimately, if somebody isn't giving me their all, it's an excuse and that's okay. I'm, I'm not offended by that. I think that sometimes people need to hear that too. And in life, there's not a lot of opportunities to hear something that makes you reflect inwardly. 
Um, but a lot of other people that come to me are now running successful businesses throughout COVID because they learned how to either start a business that applied to people while they were at home during stay at home orders, or they are a company that pivoted and adjusted their product and service offering to cater to people in these circumstances. So over COVID, it's definitely been a wild ride because I love seeing people have that light bulb moment that says, you're right, I don't have to have a nine to five. I don't have to sit at this desk and hate my life every day. I don't have to go and be miserable and come home and be miserable because I was miserable all day. It's truly liberating and being able to help people do that on a professional basis and see that day in and day out is just one of the most fun experiences of my life because if there's anything that I am so passionate about, it's making others successful. Boom, boom. How much of the, the work you do is uh, done for you, like the services you guys provide, and how much of it is consulting? Is it a combination of the two in terms of the work you guys are doing? Um, it really just depends on their needs. A lot of people will come to me and say, I need your price list to see how much this, this, and this is. I'm like, well, I don't have a price list because every single person needs something else. And we need to be able to be flexible creatively and flexible on the business consulting side. So I'm not going to just make you fit into this box, which is a package like a lot of coaches do. I'm going to build a package for you, specifically for you and your company, because everybody's needs are different. So some people might come to me and they might be super well-versed in social media, super well-versed in marketing, but they say, you know, I just need a business plan. Like, can you help me learn how to pivot? And then we spend a lot of our time on a phone call like this, where we um, just discuss market trends and how to take their product and service offering from where it is now to where it needs to be when the market changes. So some people will come to me and have no idea about social media, no idea about how to market their product, but they have a really great idea or a really great service offering that they want to um, potentially provide for people. And they just need me to um, essentially show them, teach them, do with them a social media content plan. And then we discuss our customer persona and um, the buyer behavior of that particular customer. And then we head down that path. But ultimately there's no way for me to just say, we're just gonna stick you in this one package. Here's the price it's gonna be per month. And I think that's what makes me unique as opposed to a marketing agency. Um, and I think this is why we're seeing the rise of freelance work because mm -hmm. people feel that marketing agencies are very one size fits all. And ultimately marketing is not a one size fits all industry. This is so great for, especially for any solopreneurs, entrepreneurs, salespeople, even potentially who are listening to this, I would encourage you all to go back and re-listen to what she just said, because Lauren, like the highlight of, we get it all the time with the clients we work with, where we'll have somebody who's got, what immediately comes to mind is somebody who's got an email list and somebody mm -hmm. will email back and say, okay, you know, I don't want to waste your time on a call. What's the price of X thing? And it's like, the reality is it's like, I'm actually, the way we put it is like, whether it's, whether there is a fixed price on what they're looking for or not, there's two mm -hmm. things. The first is that this is going to be the worst client you ever work with, or there's a very high percentage likelihood that that'll be the case because there's zero expectations. They don't have the patience to take advantage of your time to actually talk to you about what the heck's going on with their business and where they're headed. 
And the third thing is they're looking for the shortcut. They, they, they literally are asking for a shortcut to the price of what you have. And what I love what you just said is like the third part of this is like, or the second part of this is really going down to the line of like, you offer a transformational value. It's not a commodity. It's not an experience. Right. We're taking something, we're transforming it. So the price of that is going to be reflective of what we need to do and the work that we need to do with that. That's something I think anybody listening to this really should highlight because it, it, it doesn't matter if you do have fixed prices or not. That's the right response because you don't know if you can serve this right. person, right? Like we often, sometimes we'll get into a, uh, now I'm on right. a yeah. now, it's our, it's your interview and I'm on a tangent, but I'm thinking like we get into this moment. It's like, we want to, what would be the word for it? We want to pitch a product or service in the way that we think is going to serve them. We can't do that if we don't mm -hmm. know what the problem is that they're trying to face. Exactly. Right. Well, and the truth about that is that sometimes the product, or I'm sorry, the um, issue that they see with their product or service might not actually be the issue. There might be something underlying that they, from their perspective, can't see because they're in first person. We, the third party, come in and say, hey, have you ever noticed that this process could be modified to be more efficient by doing this, this, and this? And they, they say, oh, I never even considered that, or I never even knew that was a possibility. And that's where the value in our work comes from. I recently saw a meme that said, um, let's see, it was, it was so great. And I just, now I'm like blanking, but it said, knowing, um, I'm sorry, give me a second. This is how you know Lauren is wrong. <laughs> She has well, I have it saved in my phone and I was looking at it this morning and then I just got on that tangent and totally forgot. Um, but it was something to the effect of like um, knowing which wire to pull or to cut was $999. And then it said something else that was like being able to explain the wires or something. And then it was like $0. So well, basically like our expertise is when you know say you're doing surgery and you know which incision to make that's where the money lies because that's our education and, and all the background work that we've put in together to be able to do to do those things right from the outside people just like oh that's it <laughs> and so the value in our work lies in the thousands of hours of work we've put into personal development and market industry research um, to be able to help you pull the right wire. And you know, it's, I think of it, it's like, I just wrote it down. It's like, it's like knowing what's, what's a symptom of the problem versus the actual problem, right? Like how often are we really right. fixated on the symptom of an issue? When I always go back, it's like most people don't have sales problems. They have a marketing problem, right? Like people will think they have a sales problem. They're just not talking to enough people. They're not getting in exactly. They're not whatever the case is. And that's usually, it's just, again, it's like focusing in on a symptom of the problem, but not the actual problem, yeah. right? You're exactly right. Give me just um, one second. I'm going to find it because it's really important that I say the right words to me. We're talking about and I want to make sure that we're communicating exactly what I'm trying to say. Cool. Here it is. It says, oh yeah, you got it. Boom. Yeah, I got it. It says, okay, I'll come jump back on here. By the way, if anyone's getting some absolute heat off of this interview and your uh, and your love, Lauren, 
for if this podcast is free. We don't charge anything for the get after a podcast. We never will. Leave us a review. Right. Let us know if this thing is valuable for you. Let us know if these interviews are valuable for you. Um, and let us know in the comments. Let us know what is going on. If you're getting anything huge from this uh, this interview with Lauren. Shameless sure. plug for the get after a podcast right here as we get this meeting. Okay. So it's an invoice, a picture of an invoice. And it says, sorry, just cutting one wire, $1, knowing which wire to cut, $999. Total, $1,000. There you go. So that's what it was. But super important to realize that as you approach a service provider, um, you don't want to limit yourself before you even speak to them how you were talking about. Um, they're already trying to take a shortcut. Don't be that guy. Because it's very apparent to us that, or any service provider, that you are already living or operating out of lack instead of abundance. You are already limiting yourself by a monetary amount as opposed to saying, okay, this is $2,000 more than my budget. Where can I find that $2,000 to make this happen? Because I know my business is going to explode because I can afford them. So it's not, you shouldn't discourage yourself by saying, oh no, I can't afford it. Oh, well and then just not doing anything about it. Ultimately, whatever you want to happen in life, you need to make happen and you can. And people don't realize that people just say, oh, well, oh, well, and just leave it at that. When in reality, it's all in your hands. Find the $2,000, get the business coach that you desire, get the, the product that's gonna change your business forever. Invest in yourself, invest in your business, and you'll, you'll see that money back times a thousand. I have a... Uh... I was on a call this morning. We talked about the seven deadly sins for progress. And number seven was scarcity. We talk about just mm -hmm. the discussions around like when it comes down to a discussion around cost or spending, it's like, is that coming from a legitimate concern in cost or spending or is it coming from a literally a lacking of mm -hmm. or looking? It's also, it's like looking around at what you have today and the life that you're living and the business that you have. It's like, what are the things that you just kept around that are, frankly not serving you anymore like the worn out chair that we've always had like it's amazing how much like just adjusting your environment a little bit can mm -hmm. change everything in terms of your output because it's not it's not all output it's about your input too it's about the environment that you're putting yourself into i'm curious for you um because i know i've had this difficulty as a, as a young entrepreneur what's your actually let's so and i feel like young entrepreneur really applies to people who are like first time entrepreneurs like like in that first the first 12 months i would say are like crazy right and figuring out where you go right lean into some of the mentors that you have how did you find them how did you how, who is it that you lean into and i'm really just curious in terms of building the environment around what you do what mm -hmm. how, how much does that feed into the success that your companies have um, I was extremely blessed with the parents that I have. Uh, my dad was my softball coach for many, many years of my young life. And if you've ever had your dad or any parent really, for the matter, be a coach of any sort for you, you know that there is no one that rides harder for and against you during that time of your life. Yes, they're your biggest cheerleader, but they're also going to be on you about every detail of the way you play and the way you perform. And a lot of people think this sucks. My dad is always on my ass about it. But in all reality, it's the same in life. Those people that are 
are continually challenging you and continually calling you out for bad behaviors and continually calling you out for bad habits, you know, why didn't you go to the gym today? Your friend might say, and you might be like, oh, this again. But in all reality, you told her that you wanted to go to the gym every single day. She's holding you accountable for the things that make you better as a person, as a business owner, your health better. And I think people struggle to see that. It's all a mentality thing. Um, my mom is, she just actually started a new job um, in my hometown on the Board of Economic Development. Um, she worked in HR. She was an HR director for 18 years. So she's a shark and she um, is just amazing too. Um, she's been a mentor for me, I would say more so after high school, because like I said, I'm an alpha and so is she. So, you know, there was some headbutting going on a little bit during high school, um, but ultimately so thankful for my parents and how they've shaped me as a person, as a leader, as a player, as a now business owner, and just really encouraging me along the way. Um, I talked a lot about my ag teacher, my um, advisor from high school, um, I can't say enough about him just because he was one of those people that wasn't going to let you slip by with a lazy day. You know, it was um, from eight o'clock in the morning. I think I had him three periods a day for maybe four periods a day in my senior year. So we saw a lot of each other <laughs> and um, just constant challenging. There was never a minute taken for granted. There was never a day off. Um, and that's why we were so successful at the national level with the farm business management exam, which obviously applies in my daily life now. Um, just along the way, lots of great business owners that I've, I've watched their YouTube channel and um, I would say incessant personal development. Every morning I wake up and listening to a marketing podcast while I'm getting ready for the day. And then when I go to the gym, I'm also listening to something marketing or business related um, constantly just being thirsty for knowledge and being um, thirsty for growth and never letting myself stay stagnant, even though that's human nature to become complacent. Um, it's really important to call yourself out more than anything. It's, you know, you're laying in bed and you skipped the gym and get up and go to the gym. Then if you can, if you can consciously realize that you're letting yourself down on your own goals, then that means you can get up right then and go work towards them. This actually, this sets me up great for what I wanted to ask you. How do you just, how do, how do you distinguish between um, personal goals and business goals? Because I think as, as entrepreneurs, we, it's very easy. Well, frankly, for anybody, it's very easy to put external deadlines ahead of our own deadlines, right? Like yep, absolutely. Versus the ones that involve ourselves. So how do you right. distinguish between that? Is that something you continuously struggle with? And what are some of the tactics you've done to be able to overcome those? Um, it all comes down to work-life balance. So in my last internship um, that I had a terrible experience with the corporate world, I was working all kinds of hours, putting my heart, soul, everything into this job. Um, it was actually a real estate company that buys properties in low-income areas, tries to make them great. And then um, whoever is in charge when it doesn't go well because it's a low-income area, they just fire them. Um, ultimately ended up losing my job because my boss threw me under the bus and then she shortly lost her job thereafter. Um, so at the time it was really hard to understand because all I knew at the time was this job. It was my everything from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. And 
um, after that, I said, I will never ever put work in front of my own needs, my own goals, because ultimately to be successful in a career, be successful as a business owner, you have to have that fulfillment coming from meeting your own goals and expectations as a person. And then you can flow that energy right into the way that you run your business. But ultimately, if there's no divide, there's no boundaries, there's no days off, there's no nothing, then you're just going to run into burnout. And that it just is what it is. You have to make sure that you're separating time for you and your family and your friends or your whatever it is that you love to do in your personal life and still making that happen, even though you might be super busy. You got to you got to know when to um, put the phone down, turn the laptop off, go for a walk, hang out with your family. Um, those are all really important things. And I feel like where people experience burnout in their field or in their career or even in their own business and start to have second thoughts about it is because they're not prioritizing their own personal goals. Love it, love it. Let's transition. I'm really curious to get your thoughts on this. What are the keys to being a great client? <laughs> um, I think that really goes back to what I said about not limiting yourself before the process even begins. Um, also recognizing that by hiring someone to do kind of what we do in our fields, that it's not just handed off to them and never talk about it again, except in maybe a weekly phone call. It's you're pursuing your vision and your dream with the same tenacity that you expect the service provider to give back to you. So it's a teamwork thing. You know, I have my own dreams and my own vision that I'm pursuing actively every single day. And I need that same energy from the client because ultimately it's not my vision or dream that we're pursuing, it's yours or theirs. Um, and so if that's truly what they want and they are willing to pursue it, then they'll be very successful. But if they are willing or not willing and they just hand it off to me and say, here you go, do what you can, then ultimately they're not gonna be very successful because they're not holding that value in their own vision. Ooh, how, how much of it also is, I'm curious for you, like, cause you're, so when, when you're working with clients, do you do, um, obviously it's a lot of done for you work in terms of like providing a lot of stuff that they can work with, but, but there's also going to be like weekly probably check-ins or coaching or consulting right directly with their, with your clients. How much of it comes down to like coachability to be able to like actually take the criticism? Cause I wrote down something like I, I always call the cool card, like someone trying to just mm -hmm not actually leaning into the vulnerabilities and the problems in their business and in their life, as opposed to putting up a wall or a barrier, trying to be cool about it when right. it doesn't get results, right? Right. Yeah. Because, well, go ahead. No, you're good. You're good. No, I was, I was curious, like, do, do you see that as like a big derailment of, because you mentioned you'll have clients that will fall off after working with you. I think it happens to anybody. It will specifically to it, like it goes down to, it's like, you're also a very foundational, somebody's trying to get their presence on social media, they're trying to do ads, they're trying to do marketing. This is one of the first things that they need to invest in themselves in doing. And we also just know that over a year long period, how many businesses survive? I know over a five year period, it's like four out of 10, I think survive. Right. It's like nine out of 10 or out mm -hmm. of whatever the case would be. So how much of it comes down to like being vulnerable, being open, being not cool, frankly, around the people that you need advice from, like you need feedback from? Yeah, I think it, um, a good analogy to kind of illustrate there is organic reach on social media and 
and pain breach on a lot of people they really that's a really superficial way to go about growing an audience and cultivating that relationship where if you're genuine, if you're giving your best effort and you're showing up for your business every single day, you're going to see that organic reach, that that reach that didn't even cost you anything grow exponentially because you're being you, you're being real, you're living the life that represents your vision. Um, and I think a lot of people want to skip right past that when it's really the most important part is being real and genuine and um, showing up. And, and Frank, when we when we talk about organic, we're talking about just getting business without ads, like without paid, right. unpaid. Ads. Yep. What what has to come first, or is it a matter of coming? I guess it really does depend on the business in terms of your ad spend and where you're trying to go with that mm -hmm. stuff. But but it really is a huge thing, right? Like when somebody's doing a paid ad, but then you go to their organic, and it's like they're, it's just they're not walking the walk. That really doesn't right. benefit, right? Right. So, Exactly. So what is your strategy then with, with organic? Is it, is it, is it, do you go in and do like an audit for everybody's business in terms of how they should be doing an organic approach? I'm really curious on that. Cause I, I jam organic all the time. And so I talk to our, <laughs> right. Um, a lot of it is just soul searching into your potential client. Um, ultimately knowing what makes them tick, what makes them driven, what makes them want to do and live out the things that they aspire to do. Um, because ultimately there is where you're going to find your answer about why they started their business and what fuels them to grow this business. Um, it's not to say that paid advertising is something that is bad or doesn't work because it does, but ultimately those are for businesses that are more mature in their um, overall vision, I would say, because I feel and this is more of a personal opinion that by starting a business with paid advertising and hoping that you reach your target demographic is really superficial. And sure, you might get, you know, a few more follows and a few more sales or whatever, um, but ultimately you're not connecting with your target audience, which is the people that are drawn to you and the values that you personally hold um, for yourself, for your business, um, because it's, I mean, really just comes back to the law of attraction. You want people to be drawn to you. You want people to have similarities um, with you and ultimately be able to sit down and just have a conversation because you have similar interests. You don't want to um, somehow catch somebody on their timeline and they like your product or service. So I guess they buy it. And then you never see them again. You're cultivating a audience of people that are going to come back and buy your product or your service again and again and again when you're connecting with them on that personal level. Hmm. I absolutely love this. I love where this is headed. Where, what's your, uh, for, for you, um, like your ideal clients, do you work with people who are um, like, is it, is it mostly small businesses for the most part that would be a client of yours? Yeah. Um, for the most part, I do get some larger operations that look my way. Um, mainly for just consulting purposes where they need me to come in and, and dig through their team and their processes um, and kind of weed out either whether it be positions that are not producing for them or um, potentially adding in positions to aid in their processes. Um, mostly though, I do work with, like I said, start startups or small businesses. Um, and that's just a personal preference of mine. Um, I love my mom and pop shops because 
Um, I've been small town my whole life. I came from a small town. I live in an equal size town now. Um, and since we live along the lake, um, seasonal traffic, huge. It's our town will go from like, I think it's like 30,000 during the summer and drop by two thirds in the off season because everybody goes to Florida. So um, just being able to help businesses like those navigate through non-traditional um, consumer behaviors and um, mainly just stay afloat, not pun intended, stay afloat while um, in the off season. Oh, that's gold. I love it. Am I muted? No, I'm not. Beautiful. I, uh, you've been so awesome with your time and volunteering it with us. I want to wrap up here just to respect your time. Thanks so much for having us on. One last thing I want to hit on this because something okay. I I got to hit on this. You guys are on the farm. We were talking, yeah. this is actually like a great distraction from your work and your business. Tell mm -hmm. me a little bit about your morning routine. You're up in the morning, you do your thing. We talked a little bit about this in our right. life, but I think our audience would love to hear this in terms of how it's a right. awesome distraction. Um, so it's definitely a trained behavior because I'm not a morning person whatsoever. never have been. Um, Kobe, my boyfriend gets up, um, we usually wake up around three 30 and we go to the gym. It's astronomical to me that I wake up at that hour because I've never been a morning person in my life. Um, he has to leave for work at five 30. So we hit the gym before he goes to work. He heads off to work. I feed the animals. Um, we live in an operation with, um, it's Kobe's family and my own. Um, we have about 25 to 30 head of cattle, 10 head-ish of pigs that are production and feeder pigs. Um, we have a bunch of dogs. We have, um, we raise Australian shepherds and Welsh corgis. And we're actually about to have some puppies here in the next couple of days. So if anyone's looking for a corgi puppy, we will definitely have some cute little fur balls running around very, very soon. Um, so we feed the animals. Oh, you're back. You cut out just briefly. We feed. Good. Yep. We um, wake up after that. We feed the animals and then I get started for the day. Usually make myself a shake or some breakfast, sit down in my office, go through emails. Um, first thing, usually while I'm listening to a podcast, um, then I usually jump in the shower, usually um, listening to some form of informational something because those are the minutes that are really um great for development is when you're relaxed, you know, you're taking a shower, you're chilling out. Um, so as far as retaining information, that's my key tip of the day is while you're in the shower and you're relaxed and you're thinking about things you have to do for the day, turn on a podcast, turn on the get after a podcast and um, listen to something valuable that's going to help you grow as a business owner. Then um, usually just get through the workday in my office um, attend any meetings, grab lunch, and then in the evening, wind down, feed the animals, make supper, and do it all over again. I love it. I absolutely love it. I think you, um, I'm stoked for where you're headed. Hopefully, you'll have a chance to come back on maybe towards mid-year. Let us know how things are rolling into 2021. Absolutely. Need more people doing what you are doing, so I love it. Lauren, thanks so much for joining us on this episode of the Get After It podcast. Um, I don't have anything else. Really appreciate your time. This has been so much fun just jamming with you, catching up. And I'm just stoked to literally be a little bit of a fly on the wall of your journey as we keep <laughs> here. 
it's going to be a lot of fun, I think, in the 2020s, especially for what you're doing and the service that you provide. So I love it, Lauren. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you so much. And I um, look forward to hearing from you again soon. Um, anybody that is interested in finding me on socials, uh, my website is www.lsmarketinganddesign.com. And you can find me on Instagram at A-Y-E-A, it's low. What a fun episode. I wanna give a special thanks to Lauren again for coming on and appreciate you all for making it this far through the journey of this podcast. This was a lot of fun to re-listen to and take some notes on. Lauren dropped a lot of golden nuggets. So make sure you get in contact with her if you're looking for anything in regards to marketing and returns to uh, positioning yourself online. She is a freaking expert on that stuff. So stoked for you all joining us here on this episode of the Get After Podcast. Come back tomorrow. We will have more. As always, I'm your host, Aaron Griffin. Thanks so much for joining us. Take care.